0: It was indeed a joy already to be with you this morning through the first service. Um, you mentioned that being in the confirmation class um, as a pastor, um, I enjoyed that, that part of ministry maybe more than any other thing uh, that we have the privilege of being a part of. And you um, all have got a good group of young people <laughs> there. I was telling us this. I'm glad I didn't have to answer some of their questions. <laughs> they got there's some there's some sharp minds in there, um, but it it was just good because um, uh, confirmation is is not just parting information. It's 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 experiencing formation together, and that that, happen, I can, I, that was truly happening in that in that room upstairs. Um, I bring you greetings on behalf of Bishop Fairley. And the rest of the cabinet and I do covet your prayers uh, as we're in this season of appointment making. I know you all are anxious, and um, I just I just let you know um, um, we we take we take on this responsibility very humbly. Um, I'd heard all these kinds of stories about what takes place around the appointment table, but years ago, and I don't know if any of them are true or not. But all I know is that. What have I, what I have experienced in the in, in in doing this over these last eight years, uh, we spend much time in prayer and um, in worship, and uh, we have the freedom. Each of us has the freedom and the responsibility at some point when we're when we think we're stuck or something that uh, we can we have a, actually a bell we, we, we ring and, we, and everybody knows we, we stop and we become silent and we go to prayer again. And uh, it's, um, it's, it's, it's done uh, in a very humble way, and, and, I'm, and, and I'm pleased to be a part of that uh, from that standpoint. Um, I'm grateful for this church and your long history. I know something about, about that. Uh, I really appreciate the relationship I've had with Pastor Greg over the years through work with uh, district Committee on ministries. Appreciate the ministry of Pastor Jeremy and, um, and and all those who have gone before me, and and, and before them. Um, it, for those wondering, yes, uh, I'm I'm the younger brother of of Mike. Uh, somebody in the first service went out and says, "You tell your dad, Mike, yeah, hello." And I went, I said, "Thank you. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna pass that one along to him." But uh, but I've had good relationships with, with uh, many of, that have been connected with this church and heard stories. I know Bishop Davis uh, spent time growing up in this community, in this church, and he has shared stories with us his growing up here. And then had the privilege my first appointment was as, as associate to, to, to Billy Ray Jennings um, in Lexington, uh, at First Methodist, and some of you all may remember his, his time here. And he, he would always speak fondly and had great stories to tell. I believe this is where he first started uh, his uh, his christmas Eve let's keep Christmas uh, service with using peter marshall uh, sermon let's keep Christmas and uh, which i borrowed through through the years as well so um, just grateful and, and humble to be to be in this pulpit um, and let me just say a brief word as, as your superintendent. Um, uh, about, uh, we confess that there's there's anxiety among everyone uh, in, in regards to, to the to the General Conference coming up. Um, we, we're not putting our heads in the sand by any stretch of the imagination, but um, what our, our common message has been uh, that let's not let our anxiety overwhelm us and, and, and go too far and um, we will deal with what we have to deal with when we know what we've got to deal with. And, uh, and right now we won't know until they take their vote uh, in, 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 in May. And our promise to you all, our covenant, <laughs> is that uh, our role is, is to make sure that you have um, accurate information. Uh, and and, and, uh, and we, our, our, our goal is, is to lead in, in, an, in as much of a non-anxious way. We will get through this. Um, um, and, and, and foundationally uh, and I believe God is still on the throne now God will still be on the throne after whatever happens in May and God will be on the throne uh, uh, next year in, 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 in t- and for time to come which, which relates to our, our message today uh, as on this first Sunday of Lent our uh, scripture reading comes from uh, Matthew's Gospel chapter 4 And um, just uh, it's important to note that immediately preceding this is is Matthew's account of of Jesus' baptism, which we're going to draw the connection between those two as as we move along. But as we read this, I'm going to ask that we stand for the reading of the gospel this morning. Hear the word of God. Then, after His baptism, Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor, and he said to him, All these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be Amen. to God. You may be seated. Um, before my coming to be superintendent in, in, in the Bluegrass District, I was superintendent for six years in Owensboro, and um, several years ago while, while there, I was uh, we had a, a lock uh, on our office door there uh, that was being uh, unresponsive, and so I went to a local uh, mom-and-pop hardware store, not, not Lowe's or not a, the box stores, to, to find some graphite to, to put into that lock to loosen it up, and I couldn't find it, and so I went up to the front desk of this small hardware store, and um, there was a young man standing there uh, at the cash register, and he was on his cell phone, and when he saw me, I kid you not, he saw me, and he immediately turns his back to me <laughs> to c- continue his phone call. Well, I, I was a little frustrated, but I said, so well, I'll, I'll wait. This, this is a personal call, evidently. And, but the call went on and on and on, and it went on with conversations something like this. Um, oh, so did you like the movie? Uh, uh, really? oh, you're kidding. Well, what did Susan say? And at some point, I uh, clear my throat <laughs> and he gives me a sharp glance in my direction and he keeps on talking. You know, that's Susan. She's, she's fresh. And, uh, oh, I know. Uh, I hate that. So, are you going to the game Friday night? Well, at this point, uh, my wife will tell you I very often have a short fuse. Um, I was beginning to become very impatient. And so if I'll ask it, uh, pardon me, I, I need to ask you a question. And at this, he lets out a great sign, mumbles to the phone, catch you later, Charlie, I gotta go. And he looks at me with this exasperated expression that said, well, spit it out. <laughs> and I said, uh, I'm looking for some graphite. <laughs> on the third aisle, in plain view, he said, and and as I walked down to the third aisle, the farther I got, the angrier I got. I mean, how dare he treat me, a, a customer, so rudely? I was tempted to go back up to the front of that store and give him a piece of my mind. I was tempted what does that mean? I was on an airplane uh, on a flight um, several years ago and there was a man sitting next to me. Uh, he was reading uh, a copy of a USA Today newspaper. And at some point he, he pushes the newspaper over in my face and goes, well, there she is putting before my nose, making sure I see this full-page color photo of this attractive young woman in a bikini. Now, I knew who it was, but I, there's an ornery streak at me, and I said, well, who's that? <laughs> who's that? Well, that's Kate Upton. You know, that's the, the cover girl for the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. And I said, you going to buy a copy? <laughs> And he chuckled and said, I don't know, but I'm tempted. (laughs) I'm tempted again. What does that mean? Most of us think that if there is one thing that we know about in life, it's temptation. (laughs) I mean, if there's one theological term, that does not need to be rescued for us from abstraction, that that connects firmly and vividly to our everyday walkabout lives, that temptation would be the one. I mean, we face temptation all the time. You know, temptation hangs in the environment like the flu virus, (laughs) always threatening to break down our resistance. I mean, we're tempted to uh, we're tempted to to break our diets, or to to flirt with somebody at work, or to finesse the chemistry test, or or cheat on our taxes, or gossip about a friend, to lie our way out of trouble. You name it. We are always being tempted to do what we know we shouldn't do. We think we don't need any instruction. About temptation, because temptation, we know all about. But I ask you: Do we really? (laughs) Do we really know what temptation is? Today's lesson, as we've already said, uh, is 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 the is it's the appointed gospel text for this for this first Sunday of Lent, uh, as we begin this journey toward toward the cross and Holy Week. It's. It's Matthew's version of this. And it's the story about human temptation. Jesus' temptation and that of our own. And it throws a surprising light on what temptation really is. What does it really mean to be tempted? Now, uh, I don't remember a whole lot uh from my Sunday school days as I was with those confirmation students you know I, I i don't remember all the the information stuff that I was given but i I remember the relationships and that's the way it was for, for Sunday school so there's not many things I remember that was that was taught, but I do remember this one particular Sunday morning with our Sunday school teacher in, in junior high and the Sunday school teacher told us one day this. He said, the best measure of a person is what you would do if you knew no one would ever find out. <laughs> the best measure of a person is what you would do if you knew no one would ever find out. Now looking back at that over the years now, it, it strikes me that that was it, perhaps a, a more... Um, general worldly wisdom than, than Christian wisdom but it comes close. Um, it gets close to Christian wisdom because our teacher was telling us that when you take away all the lust for reward and all of the fear for punishment, no one will know. What you do in life grows out of who you understand yourself to be. In other words, our Sunday school teacher was moving toward a profound gospel insight. Christian ethics grow out of Christian identity. The decisions we make in life are a product, fundamentally, of who we understand ourselves to be. So, in that light, I would propose that we have a far too shallow view of temptation. In ordinary terms, we we think of temptation as the urge to do something we really would like to do, but we know we shouldn't. You know, one more helping of dessert, one more fling, one more drink, one more juicy rumor. But the deepest temptation is not the urge to misbehave, to do what we know we shouldn't do. The deepest temptation, rather, is the enticement to compromise our baptismal identity, to be who we are not called to be. That's the message in the scripture this morning of Jesus' temptation. You see, the devil is not tempting Jesus to merely misbehave. He's not tempting Jesus to steal a wallet or peek at a Playboy centerfold or cheat on his taxes or pick a fight with his neighbor. It's much deeper than that. The devil is tempting Jesus to ignore his baptism, (laughs) to forget that he is a child of his Father in heaven. You see, it's significant that Jesus comes to the temptation immediately from his baptism when the skies opened up and he heard a voice from heaven saying, You are my beloved Son, the one with whom I am well pleased. You see, that's who he is. You are my beloved son. You're the heir to the identity and mission of my people. You are my prophet, my priest, my anointed, my suffering servant. You are the one who I am sending down that long and painful road to Jerusalem. You are the one I'm calling to drink bitter cup of sacrifice. You are the one whom I'm delivering into the hands of those who will mock you and crucify you. You are the one I'm sending to bear the cross for the salvation of all people. You are the one in whom I'm entrusting the promise of redemption. You are the one You are my beloved son and I am well pleased with you. And it's then when Jesus' vocation and identity are clear that he comes to the season of his tempting. It's precisely Jesus' identity that the devil seeks to destroy. For that, after all, is what temptation is really all about. Notice how the tempter begins. If you are the son of God, I mean, he could have just attacked directly. You know, hey, you're not the son of God. But The devil was too crafty for that. It's much better to generate self-doubt. If you are the Son of God because self doubt is the cancer that eats away at identity. Years ago, when my now grown daughter, who's a mother herself, was a teenager, we had one of those stormy father daughter arguments. It blew over eventually, resolving itself in forgiveness and understanding, but in the midst of it, it was not pretty. I'm not proud of that. But at the height of that squall, I said to her, now you listen to me. If you're my daughter, then... If you are my daughter? Flesh of my flesh and heart of my heart... My cherished, beloved daughter, I could hardly have used words more destructive than to raise doubts about her identity. In our scripture, the devil picks away then at Jesus' sonship, at his baptismal identity, Those three temptations, the the, the temptation to turn uh, stones into bread, the temptation to throw himself down off the pinnacle of the temple, and the temptation to worship the tempter, are not merely enticements to do bad things. They are at-root invitations to be somebody else, to live a life other than, than that of the beloved Son of God." When you go back and and read all of Matthew and and, and start reading it, you know, looking through this lens, everything about the early chapters of Matthew, from, from the genealogy that opens the gospel to the account of Jesus' baptism, makes it plain that Jesus had been given a narrative to follow. A storied identity, if you will. And that is the narrative of God's salvation. And the devil wants him to change the script. <laughs> to trade God's story for some other story. And notice that Jesus combats the devil's attacks not with theological innovation, not with skillful counterarguments, but by simply reciting the story, quoting each time scriptures from Deuteronomy that he had been taught as a child. In other words, Jesus resists the devil's wiles by by quoting the Holy Script, and he will not change the script. He will not live a narrative other than the one that he has been given. And he remembers his baptism and he knows who he is. Do you you know who you are? Because we belong to Jesus Christ. We too have been given a part in the story. A role to play in this holy drama of redemption. You and I have been called called in our baptism to be God's beloved children and in a world where might makes right, we have been named ambassadors of reconciliation. It's our baptismal identity to be those who who sow love where there is hate, to, to sow hope where there is despair, to sow faith where there is doubt. And because we're called, we're also tempted. We're tempted to change the script. We're tempted to live out another story. We're tempted to be someone other than who we've been called to be. To yield to temptation is far more serious than to commit some transgression. To yield to temptation is to say, in essence, I'm not a child of God, and I will not take part in God's drama of redemption. Several years ago, there was um, some high schoolers who were working on their play, their school play, and um, all of these young people worked hard on that play. The director uh, was a young woman, a young teacher who taught English and drama at the school, and she poured herself into these young people and into that play. In the afternoons, as soon as school was out, she would carefully coach in individual sessions all the actors in their lines, and she would help them to get their timing right. She would then quickly dash out to a fast food restaurant, grab a bite to eat, come back to where they would have um, practice with with everyone together. Afterwards, um, she would stay late often, working on the props or painting on the backdrops of the sets. Unselfishly, she gave herself to this moment in these young people's lives. Night after night, they rehearsed, and on opening night, everyone was ready. (laughs) They were ready. Everyone knew what they were supposed to say. They knew what they were supposed to do. The first act, or the, the play was, it was a comedy, and in, 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 in everyone was getting it. The, the, the first act was, just went beautifully. Everyone was laughing uh, at the right time. The actors were, 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 just, they were just pulling it off, doing everything just right. But in the second act, very early in the second act, one of the actors, as happens sometimes, forgot his lines. (laughs) It was a nervous moment uh, for everyone. Now, the audience had not caught on to this yet, but all the actors did, and so did the the director who was sitting on the front row. Um, With script in her hand, she was leaning forward, trying to encourage him, and was about to whisper the words, of his forgotten line Um, when all of a sudden he spoke. (laughs) He spoke. It was not words in the script, (laughs) Uh, it was just something he'd made up. Uh, And not only that, it, it happened to be funny and everyone laughed so everyone now begins to relax we've got through this hard moment now we can move on unfortunately though (laughs) the forgetful actor heard the laughter of the audience and makes another line (laughs) up which also was funny but not as funny as the first one and and then he makes another line up and another line up and his fellow actors they're they're trying to to jump back in and to get into the dialogue, but they couldn't. He was out of control now, spinning out whatever came to his head. And meanwhile, the play was disintegrating and becoming lost. And the audience now had figured it out too. And the laughter that they had now was only nervous and mocking laughter. No one remembers um, how they finished that play. What everyone remembers, what what sticks in everyone's mind is looking at that director on the front row, the woman who had given of herself sacrificially, who had poured herself into this play for the benefit of these young people sitting on that front row watching and weeping. Jesus was cast into the lead role in the drama of God's redemption and the devil tempted him to change the script to improvise on the character, to deny who he was called to be. But Jesus knew who he was, and he trusted his Father to be the God he promised to be. And he never changed the script. It is written. It is written. God promised And like Jesus, we're a part of the church, the body of Christ today. And we have been baptized. And we have heard the words said about us. You are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. We too have been given our parts to play in the drama of God's redemption. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Pray without ceasing. Repay no one evil for evil. Feed my lambs. Bear one another's burdens. Be kind to one another. Forgive one another. Love your enemies. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. But even now the tempter Whispers in your ear, go ahead, change the script, make up your own lines. No one will ever know. But you see, everything is at stake. And the one who has poured his life... Into preparing us is watching. Let us pray. Well, God, as we come now to, at your invitation to this holy table, we're reminded of of the grace that that you have offered to us in our baptism to, to be the child you have called us to be, and that not by any merit of our own, but simply because you bid us to come, we come to this table of grace, knowing and confessing that you are God and we are not, and that we can rest in that promise that you will be God for us each and every single moment of our lives. We thank you for that grace. Forgive us when we are tempted to, to forget your call and your promise. And in this moment, we meet you once anew, again, anew and afresh. We meet you for forgiveness, for empowerment, for refreshment, to continue to be the child you have called us to be. For it's in your name we pray. Amen.